listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. Every Monday through Friday from 8 AM to 9 AM, the Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. back to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ, 7.50 a.m. The time is exactly 8.33 on this beautiful Monday morning in Chicago, the last day of August. Father Greg Sackowitz, Mark Tracy, 312-255-8408, 312-255-8408. Have a tremendous treat in store the second half of the program. Well-known author, Sister Helen Prejean, joins us to talk about her latest book, River of Fire, in which she writes about how Vatican II changed life for many religious orders. Sister Helen is best known for her 1993 memoir, Dead Man Walking, about her role as a spiritual advisor to a convicted killer on death row. Sister Helen Prejean, welcome to the program this morning. This is an absolute treat to have you. How are you doing, Sister Helen? Thank you. Look, I'm I'm doing great. Uh, We just escaped two hurricanes here in New Orleans, you know. Yeah. Uh, And... uh, I'm doing fine, um, but there's so much suffering going on. I got to just say, I heard all the the little ads and the commercials for Catholic charities, and that is the lifeblood of our Catholic faith, isn't it? It's not just to pray and be close to God uh, through the Mass and through piety, but also to do charity and the growing edge for us under the leadership of Pope Francis is to do justice uh, as well. So it's a good time to be alive. Well, I'll tell you something. I've heard so much about you, read about you, and your work has been magnificent as a, a child of God in walking with people. But maybe a story eliciting for our listeners for a moment is, uh, tell us briefly your story about how religious life began for you. Well, I grew up in a wonderful Catholic family in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, belonged to Our Lady Mercy Parish, uh, as soon as I could drive, I would go to daily Mass uh, as a teenager, loved the Mass, taught me how to meditate, taught me how to pray. Um, and so it was not a hard thing for me to become a nun. We had great nuns that taught us in Baton Rouge, St. Joseph Academy, and I wanted to be a teacher and I wanted to be a nun. I wanted to have a deeply spiritual life, but I also wanted to teach, and they came together. So I joined at the age of 18. It was religious life, and all this. I tell these stories in River of Fire before Vatican II. And that was in the time where deep asceticism, you leave the world behind, the wicked world that could tempt you, and uh, it was to have a life of perfection and closeness to God and service to others, and then boom. When Vatican II opened up the doors and windows of the church for the first time, we had an ecumenical council assembled not to condemn some heresy, but to open the church to the modern world and the needs of the people. And that really opened us up. I'm a sister of St. Joseph, 
And so that led me eventually, and I tell this in the story in River of Fire, uh, to go to the St. Thomas Housing Projects and serve African-American people who have been there my whole time in New Orleans, but I lived out in the suburbs, and I awakened to the call of justice. Now, you entered religious life in what year, sister? In 1957. Oh, so you you literally entered and studied pre-Vatican II, Absolutely. And Vatican II opened in 1963, then you were caught of this whole huge change from right. pre-Vatican II, post-Vatican II. Exactly. It was just like this big tsunami wave rose up in the church, and we nuns were riding right on the top of that wave, and I've unfurled in that wave and unfolded in ever since. And it was just such a shift. It was a big shift away from... First of all, the fear of hell, that God was a judge, that you had to keep all the rules, or you were going to be, you're going to go to hell. And the fear then taken away, God's a God of love, and the way you show love for God is to love each other, but not just those around us, those in our neighborhood, those we know. But when I got to St. Thomas, uh, African-American people became my teachers. And so I have in River Fire about growing up in Baton Rouge, good mom and daddy, wonderful Catholic family. But during the Jim Crow days, and we had an African-American couple who actually lived on the premises, Ellen and Jesse, never knew their last name. Ellen worked in the house with mom and daddy, and uh, Jesse worked in the yard. And I never questioned the Jim Crow. I never questioned Mm -hmm that they even had to sit in a separate place in Sacred Heart Church and couldn't go to communion with us. Um, at, but you wake up. See, grace wakes us up. That's the big theme of, of River of Fire. You wake up, and when you wake up, then you get to live the Christian life in another way because you see all the dimensions. That's what happened, and it's still happening to me. Sister, there's such an excitement in your voice. It's like... It's that spirit flowing through you. You said, wakened to the call of justice. How do we know? How do we know? How do we look to be awakened? Yeah, well, it's, it's like one of the things is we have to just ask ourselves, who do we expose ourselves to? What are the circles of influence? What's like the lagoon that we're always swimming in? You know, the, the familiar people we're with, what we do and to break out of it. See, that's the big invitation right now, Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. You can just see us white folks awakening deeply for the first time that police brutality against black people is not a few bad cops. It's systemic. And, of course, I saw the racism in the death penalty. I wrote a man on death row. This is the story of dead man walking and then visited him, and I am with him when he is executed. And along the way, all while Tim Robbins was working on the film of Dead Man Walking, he kept saying, the nun is in over her head. And I was in over my head. It was was a big, I didn't know anything about criminal justice. Mm -hmm. And I began to see how systemically people chosen for death is Eight out of every ten of them, it's because they kill white people. When black people are killed in this country, it's not even—it's negligible. It's seldom saw. Mm. So you begin to see racism is built into the victim. Who's the victim? Who's outraged over the death of the victim? And I began to see 
how racism played its part, especially in the death penalty. And you know, Father Greg, it took the Catholic Church 1,600 years to arrive at that place in 2018 where finally Pope Francis changed the catechism to say in the doctrinal teaching that under no circumstances can we ever trust a government to be given that authority over life and death and That's to true. take a citizen. It took us 1,600 years of dialogue. Which, you know, Sister Helen, in listening to you, there's no question how Vatican II awakened you from inside your soul, the depth of your soul. In fact, here's a beautiful line. For you. You've got a lot of great lines, but Father uh, Bill Moriarty from the cathedral gave me this line from you uh, that I used a few times in homilies. Um, he gave this to me. He says, here's a line. When I light a candle at midnight, I say to the darkness, I beg to differ. When I light a candle at midnight, I say to the darkness, I beg to differ. That's a profound line do you remember writing that line or saying that line? No, I didn't write that line. I got to just be humble about all this, okay? I mean, <laughs> sometimes they start attributing lines to you. You wish you had said it. Oh, I hear. Okay, I gave it. I gave this one to you. Okay, so you didn't say well. <laughs> and he's used it as his own line too. Exactly. No, I said, but it's, it's a great line. <laughs> it's a it's a, it's a tremendous line, but it is what... <laughs> amazing your your enthusiasm. If I do the math, <laughs> and you enter the convent as a novice at the age of 18 right. in 1957. I can do the math. Let's not do the math. Let's, let's just we'll, keep moving. We'll keep going. But the point is, but you're so, you're so <laughs> young at heart. There. Yeah, you're, you're, that's marked there. It's, you're, you're so young at heart, and what you're saying is that you're filled with the joy of the Lord, but also from your experience, you have seen racism. You have seen prejudice. You have seen injustice. And you're saying things have to change now. Yeah, not have seen or seeing. Yes. We are yeah. awakening now. And it's what action are we going to take? Charity to needy people is one thing, and we will always need to be that in the church. But we are at a moment of profound invitation to awaken at a level we never had before, to work for, you know, reformation within our police departments, and for white people to get in there in the struggle with black people. can't just have black people saying, give us our rights. we got to be alongside them in the struggle, because it's for the health and goodness of our whole nation. Grace wakes us up, and grace keeps us young. How do you know you're young? It's when you have fresh thoughts, when you have, oh, I need to do this. It's like energy pours through us to act to be alive. You know what's interesting? Jesus never once called himself a savior. He always just talked about, I've come that you may have life. You may really be alive, not walk around half dead. The life of God in us makes us alive. And as human beings, how do you know you're alive? When you love, when you're intellectually alive, when you're emotionally alive, when you're culturally and aesthetically alive. How alive are we? The call to live in God is to live and to truly be alive. And you hear it in your voice. Yeah. Absolutely. We're going to take a little break, Sister Helen. Uh, WNDZ, 750 AM on your dial, 312-255-8408, Catholic Chicago. When we come back, Sister, I'd like to ask you uh, how the Sisters of St. Joseph 
charism has changed from Vatican II to now? What do you see happening within your religious order? We'll be back in a few minutes. Please stay tuned. people around the world are interested in their family history. At Catholic Charities, we are hearing from adults who lived for a brief time at St. Vincent's Orphanage, the wonderful life-affirming agency that operated out of our headquarters for 91 years, serving thousands of women, children, and families until it closed in 1972. Our post-adoption services help adults who want to learn more about their experience at St. Vincent's. Our compassionate staff members provide whatever family background information they can offer, along with support and reunion services. To learn more, call 312-655-7093. That's 312-655-7093. The spirit of St. Vincent's lives on in the inspiring stories that continue to emerge today. Do you have a gently used laptop or desktop computer that is gathering dust in your home? Consider donating to our Catholic Charities Veterans Computer Project. We will clean out your device, give it new software, and repurpose it for a veteran who is looking for employment. Your gift will make an incredible difference in a veteran's ability to find a job. Catholic Charities provides veteran services throughout Lake and suburban Cook Counties, giving participants an array of professional and personal support. Our veterans have served our country, and it is our privilege to serve them. To learn more about Catholic Charities Veterans Services and the Veterans Computer Project, call 847-782-4219. That's 847-782-4219. The 23rd annual Monsignor Michael Bolin Golf Invitational was unfortunately canceled for this year, but we are still gathering online to offer support to Catholic Charities Family Stabilization Services that benefit each year from this outing. Catholic Charities has been working nonstop throughout the pandemic to help the growing number of people who have lost their jobs and never before imagined needing assistance. Can you help us help them? Become a sponsor, purchase raffle tickets, or simply make a donation to help people who are very much in need this summer. This special online drive and raffle continues through August 31st. For more information, visit the events page on Catholic Charities website and look for the Monsignor Bolin Golf Invitational. Thank you for helping make this a major win for a great cause this year. WNDZ 750 AM on your dial, 312-255-8408. Catholic Chicago, we're talking with Sister Helen Prejean. And Sister, I had a question. Um, you talked about your religious order. You know, I'm sure when you entered, it looked real different than it does now. How, how have the Sisters of St. Joseph taken Vatican II and made it real in terms of our world? Well, one of the, the big things that happened in terms of believing that the Holy Spirit is moving through the Church, but also moving in each of us as an individual. Mm -hmm. uh, when I joined this sisterhood, it was just blind obedience. Whatever a superior asked you to do, whether it's 
teach, a nurse, whatever, and you just, holiness consisted in just obeying. Mm -hmm. And ask no questions. Ask no question. That's the blind part. <laughs> mm -hmm. And But see, then when you begin to believe that God moves in each of us, so we then moved in our community to consensus-making in community to get the wisdom of each sister. And the big radical change you could see that began to happen was we, instead of just simply filling in the institutions in the church, like we staff schools and the hospitals, that's the main thing we did. Mm -hmm. Then you began to follow, well, what about what's going on in prison? So here I am as mm -hmm. one of the sisters beginning to follow that spirit, writing this man, getting involved. So we have sisters involved with immigrants at the border. We have with women, uh, battered women. So you can follow the spirit. But the thing is, you remain connected in spirit in the community because you belong to local communities together, you pray together, you discern together. You're not you're not just all these autonomous individuals. But that's a huge way. It's like you got your selfhood back. You you know that you could trust each sister to discern. So you lay it before the community. Look, I think I gotta go and serve these people on death row. But now, how, excuse me, sister. How did, how did that ministry for you begin in terms of uh, prison ministry? It began because I got involved with poor people in New Orleans and St. Thomas Housing Projects. One day I came out of the Adult Learning Center at Hope House, and I got a simple invitation. And it was, hey, Sister Helen, you want to be a pen pal somebody on death row? And I said, sure. I never dreamed that person was going to be executed, much less that I was going to be there. Mm -hmm. And it was, and that's the fire in River of Fire, was the watching, the witnessing of Patrick Sonia being electrocuted to death. And it caught my soul on fire because I witnessed it. And so, but that's how it happened. First, to get out of my little suburban, comfortable zone where I'd always been, mostly with other white people, moving into the St. Thomas Housing Project, and then getting that simple invitation, hey, Sister Helen, you want to be a pen pal? Now, you walked with him to his execution, correct? Correct. Six people I have accompanied to execution. So I take one person at a time and accompany them. And along the way, I have learned just how the whole criminal justice is. And I wrote Dead Man Walking. That book I wrote, I came out of that execution chamber that night. Pat had been killed at midnight. It was dark. First thing I did was violent. I had never in my life witnessed a human being in this protocol of death, rendered defenseless and killed. And I remember thinking that night, you know, the American people are good people. It's just they're not anywhere close to this. They've been made to be afraid that if we don't execute these people, they'll kill in prison or whatever. I've been a witness. i got to tell the story. But from the beginning, I believed in the goodness of the American people. And when you write a book, it's a lot of trouble to write a book. It takes time to write a book. Yes, it, it does. It takes two years to write that book. And you got to do it out of love. So Dead Man Walking was written out of love to bring people close to the reality of what it means for us to be, to allow our government to kill our citizens. Were there people who told you, don't write that book? Oh, yeah. Well, there was a lot. First of all, inside of me, I was saying, I don't need to write a book. I, I thought what I needed to do was get out there on the road, talk to the people. But then I, I, 
I didn't know the power of a book, actually. you got to understand, I'm from Louisiana. We belong to an oral culture. We love to be together, eat our ball, crawfish, uh, tell our stories. And I thought, I thought of a book as a kind of a quiet, powerless thing. You can't talk to people. But, oh, man, it's like God has used that book. And then out of it came the film, and then the opera of Dead Man Walking. It's very powerful. It's been on every continent. It's going to be at the New York Net in April. Uh, and God uses us, see? But when people are quiet and they're, you're taking them through story and you bring them into the execution chamber and you bring them into the struggles and suffering of the victim's family and they're using their imagination and it's very intimate. It's like a meditation. And you can change hearts and minds forever through the reading of a book. Sister, what can folks who are listening do as you you started to touch on black lives matter and issues that we're dealing with as a country right now probably looking at significant Chicago. yeah for the Chicago. probably for the wow. first time what can people do what can we do as the faithful first of all you just get involved you said what is going on in the local community there in chicago with black lives matter mm-hmm. get involved so you don't wait to go to your parish church and there's going to be a panel and you're going to have some black people come and talk to you and say, let us tell you what it's like to be black. Well, we got to go out to where the people are and where things are happening. As Pope Francis says, the church is supposed to be a field hospital where the wounded are. That's exactly so where's right. The, so we got to get out there. we got to use our initiative. We don't wait for somebody to plan it for us. Just get involved in Chicago. Chicago has a terrible history of police brutality and beating up people in the Cook County Jail. We all know the stories of what is going on in Chicago. And it's probably the line of demarcation of, you know, between South Chicago and North Chicago. Anybody living in North Chicago and belonging to a parish needs to get over to South, get over to where the action's happening, and get to know the people. As long as we're separate from each other, we don't trust each other, and we can be scared of each other. Now, Sister Ellen, the way you're talking right now, does this surprise you? Because this is done, this is, does not sound like the 20-year-old girl entering as a novice back in the 50s, the woman I'm listening to today. Somehow the Vatican II so changed, so changed yeah. and touched your life. Yeah, this is God that moves in us, right? So I kind of see it's me, and yet it's bigger than me, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you're riding a wave, you are not the wave. You're riding it. You're in it. You're in the current. And that's the way God moves in us. And we know it because we know we're alive. We know we may be facing things we'll never see the success of it in our lifetime, but we're part of it, as Martin Luther King used to say, you know, that we're part of bending that arc, being part of the arc of the universe that bends toward just John Lewis. I'm reading his life right now. Mm-hmm. And, and we're part of things. See, we cannot be holy without community. We're in community. And in community, we wake up together, and then we need community when we go to act because it, the problems are so big and overwhelming. We can't do it alone. You talk about the sense of riding the wave. There's a beautiful prayer that I pray every day about ten times. Lord Jesus, may I trust in you completely. Then I know you're with me. Then I shall not fear. And you, Lord, will do the rest. It's a prayer yeah. of trust and surrender. It's exactly yeah. talking about riding the wave. Yeah, and we 
got to do that every second of our life yes. because then we get off the wave and then we start self-doubting and then we start getting caught in ego and all that. And we have to just keep coming back to that. And that's it. God's spirit nudges us. See, we doesn't let us stay there. Sister, what what's the priority right now in your life? What, what are you spending a lot of energy on? Well, uh, ever since Dead Man Walking came out in 93, I have been on the road. I have been to every state in this nation and in and out of cities, I don't know how many times, and all that ended March 12th with COVID. So now I am working on around with students reading the book, like River of Fire, and I am working on Zoom sessions where I will come on at the beginning uh, with an introductory Zoom to talk to the students about what they're going to encounter in the book. Then they read the book. And then I come at the end where their questions is what drives the conversation. It's completely student-driven. So this is with students in classrooms, but it's with parish groups. It's with book clubs to keep the conversation going, to keep the dialogue going. And um, so that's what I'm doing right now, the Zoom sessions to send out um you got to know my archives of Dead Man Walking and all my work is at DePaul University. Mm-hmm. And I've been coming to DePaul in April for the last, like, eight years. And so now it's got to be virtual. So I'm working on those Zoom modules to be able to send out to schools and to be able to send out to parishes. So now, Sister Helen, I hate to cut this short. But it's around the reading of a book. The if somebody wants to get a book. copy of River of Fire, how can they get a copy of yeah, River of Fire? Yeah, just came out in paperback. Well, just go on Amazon. It's also get it there. on okay. Audible. All right, well, thank it's you. also on Audible. So okay, we're running out of time myself. here, but we might get you at the cathedral, uh, Sister Helen. I want to thank you in a very special way, Sister Helen Prejean, the author of River of Fire and Dead Man Walking. Sister Helen, you've been a fantastic guest. Thank you. The Spirit's thank working you. through you. Keep up the great ministry. Special thanks Thank to co-host Mark Teresi, great work of our producer Jim Dish, and wonderful work of our engineer Brian Hockey at Manbrock, and also new man on the block, Vince Girasoli. Thank you, Vince, for all you're doing to help put today's program together. May God bless all of you. Have a blessed, safe week. Stay healthy. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.